Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Booster Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Hedrick and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Hello, and welcome to a special silver screen edition of the Who's Who podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me is my co-host, the wondrous Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Angel? <laughs> this is exciting, man. This is so timely because when people hear this episode, oh, there's a movie too, but I was just going to say 2020 will almost be over, um, which is so exciting. We thought the best way to end 2020 uh, with the Fire and Water Network was with a clip show. We thought that was the best way to go out. It feels a little bit like STNG season two season finale, right? <laughs> yes. Hey, Shag, do you remember back in the old days when we did Who's Who? Cue the harp noise. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, there's a little bit of a history on this. When the Justice League film came out, Rob put together a clip show of all the Justice League characters. When the Aquaman uh, movie came out, Rob put together a clip show of all the Aquaman characters from Who's Who. And now with Wonder Woman coming up, I didn't feel like doing anything this week. So I said, Rob, how about a clip show? And he said, sure, let's do that. I, I foolishly said sure let's do that because i have been wading through hours of who's who audio pulling clips and uh, man in a lot of ways it is more work than actually sitting here and recording a new episode of who's who <laughs> so i agreed to this way too readily but that said i i always I, look we don't do these a lot but i i think they're kind of fun because in a lot of cases these who's who episodes are nine eight seven years old and a lot yeah. of people don't go back and listen you know, go back that far. And it's fun. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. And it's, but it's fun pulling some of this material out and, and collecting it together. I mean, we come, we've done so much coverage of who's who that I feel that this material is right for that kind of sort of greatest hits repackaging. And with the wonder woman movie coming out, which I will be watching from the comfort of my own home. I'm not risking my <laughs> life seeing wonder woman 84. Thank you very much. I, I just figured it was the, the perfect time to do a wonder woman special. No, it's going to be great. And, and this list of characters, folks, you're going to love it when, when you start hearing these things. Rob really plumbed the depths of Wonder Woman characters, man. I mean, thankfully, he's the one doing these. If it had been me, you would have got like Wonder Woman and Cheetah, and I would have called it a day. Uh, but not Rob. No, he has gone to the nth degree and really, really picked out some Wonder Woman characters. And, you know, you're right. It's a bit of a time capsule. Like, I enjoyed listening back to the Justice League and Aquaman episodes because you could sort of – hear the changes of our of our oh, style boy. over the years and we've really changed the way we do these episodes we are real snarky in the, in the first <laughs> we have mellowed out and and gotten a little more uh temperate in our criticisms uh than we were in the olden days Plus, by the way i do want to apologize some of our audio was a little funky especially for me i was still kind of learning on how to do this so you could argue i haven't learned how to do it yet. <laughs> but um, audio wise it's a little funky in some places and i also will apologize that i repeatedly make fun of my old instructor jose delbo Ouch. Uh, that's because jose drew wonder woman for a long time and so he did a lot of the wonder woman related entries and clearly when i went back and listened to these clips I never missed an opportunity to dunk on Jose Delpo when we did. <laughs> so when you collect them all together, it sounds like I'm obsessed with the man, which I am not. But <laughs> to my own credit, I didn't edit that part out. Like I live, it's going to, you're going to hear it in these clips of me 
going out of my way to dunk on Jose Delbo, who is a, a fine, fine comic book artist of many, many decades. You know, some of these old shows, I guess we're kind of lucky because in the early days, like if we didn't want to do an entry, we'd just be like, and here's so-and-so next. And we just <laughs> skip it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we really, we, some characters really got the bums rush from us. We, yeah. But, you know, before we, uh, before we launch into the clip show, we should take a second and thank our sponsors. Cause folks, this episode, this special episode of who's who is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping on orders of $50 or more. Now, Rob, I'm going to assume you picked a Wonder Woman trade paperback because I looked out there today, and there are a gazillion Wonder Woman trade paperbacks available right now, which is very exciting. So what would you pick? Yeah, there's a lot of great Wonder Woman stuff to pick from. I could not resist going with the Superman versus Wonder Woman tabloid edition hardcover which was the recent reprint uh, DC did of the classic all-new collector's edition where it, uh, the Man of Steel fights the amazing Amazon. It's written by Jerry Conway, pal, set in the 1940s. It's basically the, the golden age versions of these characters squaring off against each other. Drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. name. Inked by Dan Atkins in the treasury format. This was an all-new treasury edition that they did in 1978 and it is super fun i covered it over on treasury cast with my guest jerry conway that was very exciting yeah this is a great book and it was out of being a treasury it was out of print uh for many many decades but now you can get it in a beautiful hardcover edition dc's been doing that for some of their tabloids and uh it's great to say i hope they do more of them Uh, so when so when they say tabloid does that mean it's actually oversized like a tabloid yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, is this it, hard, the hardcover is the treasure is treasury sized. Oh, is it real? Oh, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what the exciting thing is that they've been doing them at the size that they did them, which is really just uh, startling. So the page count is uh, seventy two pages. The normal price is thirty nine ninety nine, but in stock trades price is twenty three dollars and nineteen cents. You save forty two percent. This thing is just gorgeous. I I can only imagine what it looks like on really nice paper. I mean, the the version I have is the original, and it's on newsprint. And right. that already looks awesome. It's JLGL at the top of his game. But on, on nice, slick paper, this thing must just look gorgeous. And I'm going to order this uh, basically as soon as possible. So Superman versus Wonder Woman, tabloid edition, hardcover. That's awesome. I, I struggled with what to pick because I'm not exaggerating, guys. There are a gazillion Wonder Woman trades out there right now, and so many of them are good. So many of them I haven't read or I wanted to read. Um, so here's a couple that I didn't pick that I was tempted by. The Wonder Woman 66 meets Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77, which is a great, you know, Adam West, Linda Carter team up, uh, written by Jeff Parker, the beloved Jeff Parker. Um, or Wonder Woman by John Byrne. There's three volumes of that out there. Now, there's a lot you could say negative about that run. But it was a blast. I really loved that run when it was going out, when it was coming out. I, it was compelling. I was on board every month. Uh, or even Wonder Woman of the Justice League, which is like the post Wahaha era of the Justice League after it stopped being funny. But when Dan Vada was writing it, and uh, you know Wonder Woman was leading the league. So, but the one I did pick was I was trying to stay in theme with the movie and stay on my own brand. So I picked Wonder Woman and the Many Lives of Maxwell Lord trade paperback. So this is obviously time to go inside with Wonder Woman 1984 because Maxwell Lord is a major character in the film. And what it does is it collects a bunch of old Maxwell Lord stories, some of which involve Wonder Woman, some that don't. But it gives you sort of uh, his rise and fall is how they describe it. It includes Justice League number one from 1987. Oh, yeah, that's right. Kevin McGuire, Keith Giffen, uh, Jam DiMatteis, Justice League number one. I love it. You get Justice League International number 12, which is where you find out the secret of Maxwell Lord. You get Countdown to Infinite Crisis number one, which is where you find out he's evil. 
take it for what it is. Uh, the OMEC project number two, Wonder Woman 219, where Wonder Woman does the unthinkable and kills Maxwell Lord. Spoilers. Uh, Justice League Generation Lost number 20 when Max is back and Justice League number 12 from 2017. So it's a great sort of, uh, journey through Maxwell Lord again, his rise and fall. So, uh, published by DC recently. Page counts 160 pages, full color. Normally retails for $16.99, but you can get it for $9.85. Now, sure, you may have these comics in your collection or whatever, and some of them are more recent than others, but man, what a great a little package to put it all together and sort of follow Max's uh, path uh, leading up to the movie. You can get it for 42% off right now on InStockTrades.com. So go check that out and go to InStockTrades and let them know that the Fire and Water Podcast Network sent you. Now, this episode is also sponsored in part with your Patreon support. You know, running the Fire and Water Podcast Network with so many shows requires a ton of online hosting. I mean, Rob just told you we got like, what, nine, ten years worth of episodes out there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so when we launched the Patreon last year, we, we needed your help to pay for these fees, and you guys really stepped up. And I always say it, but I mean it. We would not be on the air if it weren't for your help. So thank you so much. And if you're enjoying these shows, um, the best way to support us is by visiting our Patreon. What's that address, Rob? Patreon.com slash FW Podcasts. And while you're there, please consider supporting the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And at certain sponsorship tiers, you'll get thanked on uh, your favorite Fire and Water shows, just like these people who chose Who's Who. Our thanks to Christopher Lydon, Damian Whiter, Daniel Butnick, David Ace Gutierrez, Nathan Archer, Gord Tolton, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein, Chuck Coletta, Corey Drew, Michael Atchison, Michael O'Brien, Noah Tarnow, Paul Kenzel, Steve Givens, Tom Perrain, and Tom Panneries. Again, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. So we want to hear your thoughts. Go to our website, uh, which is firewaterpodcast.com. Go out to the Who's Who section. Leave your comments on this post. Uh, I'd love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on this trip through history and your favorite characters from Wonder Woman and what you thought of some of these entries. And uh, we'll also post some of those images from the – we're not going to post all of the Who's Who, but we'll post some of them up on there for an image gallery so you can check those out. Otherwise, you can just you know get out your damn comics. Jeez, OP people. I have to do everything for you here. Um, so, Rob, you're uh, you're going to help us dive in here. What 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 are we going to hear first? Uh, well, we're going to start big, and that's with Angle Man. Oh, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't even get a full page. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, no, what the, I'm not going to go through the whole list because I want some surprise. There's to be some surprises as you go through it. We're going in order of uh, how we got to them on Who's Who. So we're going to be doing all the listings from the original Who's Who series. Then we're going to move on to the updates, and then. We are going to end with the most recent Wonder Woman entry uh, and Cheetah entries, which are, of course, from the Loose Leaf series, which we're not even or almost done uh, with. And then we have a few surprises dropped in because no Wonder Woman collection of Who's Who listings will be complete without uh, the contributions of our our dear departed friend Zoom Yukinori. So we're going to get some of his entries in there, too, because he did some of the best Wonder Woman entries that anybody ever did. That's Uh, true. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're just fantastic. So. It wouldn't be complete without him, so we're going to have them in there too. So I hope you, we hope you enjoy uh, these listings. It was again, you watch the snark decrease <laughs> as we go through, and we get nicer—not necessarily to each other, but we get nicer and nicer about the listings as we go through time. And we're going to kick this off. Both Rob and I, at this moment, are now going to do our spin like Linda Carter uh, to transform. You ready? Here we go, folks. We're doing it now. The 
next listing. <laughs> Woo! Here it is, folks. Uh, another big one. Uh, my Other than Aquaman's my favorite listing in the book, which is the Wonder Woman villain Angleman, who gets a third of a page. <laughs> Vertically. No Vertically, less. drawn by Jose Delbo and Romeo Tangle. This is the visual equivalent of being of a nerd being stuffed in his locker. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, Angleman is one of the goofier villains, even by Wonder Woman standards, and it's sort of perfect that uh, he was given the respect he deserves by <laughs> being put in. I think they should have given him, like, a corner box. Like, you know, <laughs> at an angle would have been cleverer. And I also think it, it's a perfect uh, res- perfect example to respect DC had for the character that when he appeared in the crisis, he's killed off-panel. <laughs> and he's, his only appearance is as a smoking corpse that the other characters find. I, I just think that's hysterical. And from a merchandising point of view, I have to go back to... Uh, Justice League Unlimited packaged a Firestorm, Killer Frost, and, and Angle Man. And that's, that's, figure together. That's, that, 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 I think somebody lost a bet at Mattel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to. I will say, Jose, uh, the artists on Angle Man are Jose Delbo and Romeo Tango. I had Jose Delbo as an instructor uh, during uh, my second year at the Kubert School. So, oh. uh, I don't. And end. Romeo Tango was a great anchor. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't envy anybody that. But okay. Um, <laughs> oh, having him as an instructor? Yeah, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> Next up is one of my favorite listings, Cheetah, Earth One Cheetah, or Two Cheetah, drawn by Katrina Robbins. This is great. This is another instance of the DC editors, who's who editors, really finding somebody perfect, because they found someone with an art style who's very similar to H.G. Peters, who was the original art artist on Wonder Woman, and they found Katrina Robbins, who kind of even dialed up her style even more to make it look like an H.G. Peter piece. So well, it's, you know, it's really you know the connection perfect. there, right? Trina Robbins? Yeah. What? She, um, when the original Wonder Woman book got canceled, uh, right around Crisis Infinite Earths. Oh, she did the Legend of Wonder Woman miniseries. Yes. Exactly. She yes. did the, the, the sort of linking piece between yes. that and the Fred series. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, it was great. I, it's, it's, I, I love Cheetah's peekaboo hairstyle down there. She kind of looks like uh, Veronica Lake. So it's like a nice oh, piece. Yeah. And it's it's really it's a really nice illustration. Again, it's it's like it's doing something modern, but also commenting on the past. Uh, you know, I think that's really a really nice piece. I think her squirrel tail is funny. Yeah, <laughs> and like and how the cheetah dots are still clearly identifiable on a on a furry tail. It doesn't really work that way with tails. No, but, that, but it's like, a pain in the ass to draw that outfit. And oh yeah. Thing. Now it's it's fair to mention here because this is going to bleed into the other. This is two facing pages of the cheetahs. Nice. And yeah, I want to mention, Rob, if you look at them, you see they're kind of coming. It's very, Obviously, these two were drawn with in mind. Yes. To, to be this way. Because they're facing each remind, other. Exactly. And this reminds me of when we had a discussion a couple issues ago, and I said I felt like the two Batman entries and the Batgirl and Batwoman entries were meant to be seen side by side. Mm-hmm. I think this sort of, like, reinforces that concept because clearly these two pictures were intended to be side by side. Yes. And I think, again, a couple issues ago, the Batman and the Batwomen and uh that girl were meant to be seen side by side. I think it, it, it it's really works well. Yes, it and uh, the crazy thing is, if you read this stuff, I didn't realize because we're sitting here saying Earth One, Earth Two, but they're actually the same Earth, sort of, because Priscilla Rich, which is the original Cheetah, is the aunt of the second Cheetah. That's right. Yes, they kind of fudge that a little because clearly the lines. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll say so we're talking about the, the Earth One Cheetah or the the later Cheetah. Is drawn by Steve Liahola, uh, a, a 
beautiful listing. He, the, the design piece is great. I love her profile. I love the blending of the spots as it sort of waves the piece. And then in the background, you see, I guess, Cobra back there. And her fighting one. It's a, that's a really gorgeous piece. He did a phenomenal job on this one. It's like if, it's like if you took... I'm not. I, I don't mean to see folks on Archie, but her, the the close up of her face, the profile, is a very Archie kind of Veronica look. Yeah, there's no detail and, on it. There's no. It's just yep. the eyes and the. Yeah, it's just the profile. There's no facial detail, which it works perfectly. It's a great piece. You're and you're right. Design. The dots. The dots are great. You know what, Rob? I want this one to be one of our Tumblr ones. This okay. is just so great. Yeah. And and I, and I will say too, like, I, I can't explain it necessarily, but there's a, a there's a a real sexiness. Oh yeah. To it. Yeah. Even though it's sort of simple and and. Not, maybe that's it. I don't know, but it just mm, wow. Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> it <couldn't laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're, this is like the highlight I'd say of this book is the, the double page of the two cheetahs. It's really, really nice. Um, and they just brought the cheetah back into New Fifty Two this month. They should it. All right. Next up is Doctor Cyber, who was a Wonder Woman villain, and the drawing. <laughs> yeah, by- you could not have said that with less enthusiasm. <laughs> Your whole mouth, your whole voice dropped an octave when you <laughs> Dr. Cyber, who was a Wonder Woman villain. <laughs> it's just like... All right, let's, let's just be honest. Wonder Woman in the Bronze Age, outside of the Diana Prince new Wonder Woman era, is not highly regarded. It's a fact. You know, I've never read it. It, no, may, I, fa- it, it may be fantastic. What I'm laughing at is not, you didn't intend to say that, but your inner monologue came out. I, it, you're right. It did. I, I don't even myself, even though I haven't read, it, I don't have a lot of passion for Bronze Age, post New Diana Prince era of Wonder Woman. No, you know, it's no. and, and we've said it before. And I'm sorry, Don Heck just doesn't grab me on superhero stuff. Yeah. This so is he, he, um, this is the I think 35th character in this book alone who has been described as would be conqueror. <laughs> Rob's got a tally sheet going. Just in case you're wondering. So. Now, to me, like, I, I immediately skip over this entry in my mind and just jump forward and go, okay, Dr. Cyber came back in the power company with Kurt Busiek and Tom Grummet, which was sort of a cool interpretation of the character. So that's how I can, in my mind, I can be like, okay, she can hang around, Dave. She can hang around. Uh, and she actually, she, her origins come about during the Diana Prince period, but she apparently, if I'm reading this right, I think she came back quite a few times. Yeah. So, uh... Not the most awe-inspiring character. Um, she did get damaged, or not, but she got injured when someone threw a, <clears throat> I guess it's a brazier of hot coals. When I first read that, I thought it said brazier of hot coals. <laughs> uh, you know who this, you know who she reminds me of, really? It's like a costume version of, remember Superman 3? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I know. But you remember the woman got trapped in the machine? Yeah, and she, she kept, becomes the robot, yes. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of that character, like, in a purple costume. Is like, what she sort of liked to me. <laughs> so, um, now the, the, I do like her logo. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's very 1980s. It looks very sort of hubba bubba, bubblegum ad sort of look. <laughs> and doing some research on this character, I didn't know this. She actually appeared in Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon. And then she also appeared in the Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, not not cartoon, but the comic book based on the cartoon. So she's, she's come back a couple of times. Oh, good for so. her. Good for her. So, yay, Dr. Cyber. So let's roll into this. Here it is, Rob, your big entry, the one you're excited about. <laughs> yes, Dr. Psycho. 
Uh, by Stephen DiStefano, who is the co-creator of Amazing Man, of course, and inks by Bruce Patterson. I guess they figured he's a little person, and Stephen DiStefano was good at drawing little people, so let's have him do it. <laughs> so, was, Ama- was Amazing Man even around by this yes. point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, okay. Amazing Man appears in Who's Who. So. Yes. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought that was an update. No, no, no. So, Dr. Psycho was an old-time uh, Wonder Woman villain. Actually, there are two versions of Dr. Psycho. Um, they didn't really bother, to, much like they did with the Cavalier. I think they figured giving two pages to this minor villain is probably a little too much. So they just they right. just morphed the character into one listing. The Golden Age version first appeared in Wonder Woman number five, and the modern version appeared in Wonder Woman number 289. So That's amazing. He goes all the way back to Wonder Woman number, number five. five. That's yeah, 1941. That's a long time. That's crazy. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this character, other than I, this is the character I think about when I read years later why um, Bob Rosakis ended his amazing uh, the Ask the Answer Man column. Remember, I used to love that column. We would be old DC yeah. trivia, and he was asked once why did it go away, and he said that over time the questions just got so obscure that it just felt like they provided no information for anybody anymore, and the question that he gave as the example of the obscure questions was, did the Earth 2 Dr. Psycho wear gloves? That was, oh that was the question. Now, he may, have, he may have made that question up, but that was the thing that I always remembered about this character was somebody might have written in asking about, did he wear gloves? And that was the death knell of the S.D. Interman column. Oh, my gosh. So, thank you, Dr. Psycho. Thank you for that. It's a nice listing. Okay, just- it's, it's a nice cartoony drawing. I mean, Stephen Stefano is a great artist, so it's, it's a nice listing. Okay, just for the record, Amazing Man did appear in Who's Who, mm-hmm. but he had been created at this point. He was still about three months okay. away from appearing in a DC comic. So obviously he was probably, you know, Stephen DeStefano was already on staff because he's probably getting, you know, they're probably ramping up for the Amazing Man book in three months. But um, so that may have played, you're right, maybe the little people thinks why he got the job, but it's interesting, Amazing, Amazing Man hadn't hit the shelves yet. Okay. Now, he um, previously he had done stuff with like House of Mystery and New Talent Showcase, so he was still, I guess, um, if he's doing New Talent Showcase, he must have been still pretty new to the DC realm. Yes, yes. And uh, the weird thing to me about this character is the Captain Wonder aspect of yes. the character. He created a, a false identity called Captain Wonder to battle Wonder Woman. And if the serpent is to be believed, I mean, he looks a lot like a male himbo version of Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing. So Now, and of course, Dr. Psycho has gone on in post-crisis to be a major player in the Wonder Woman universe, you know, with the infinite crisis and the, the secret society or whatever, the society or whatever they were called. So, yeah. All right. Duke of Duke Deception. Deception. As our first uh, double listing page, uh, uh, yet another... Very old. Nobody cares about Wonder Woman villain. Uh, <laughs> uh, the old version first appeared in Wonder Woman number two. Which That's is crazy. About as old as you could possibly get. <laughs> Still be in the Wonder Woman history. And then the second one was in number 217. It's drawn by Jose Delvo, one of my former instructors at the Cupid School. He didn't give me a great grade, so screw him. And it's by Bob Smith. The wow. uh, <laughs> the other listing is a... Well, hold on. On Duke of Deception? He looks a little uh, Gil Kane-ish. Like the face. Right. And uh, you said Jose Delbo drew it. Interestingly enough, he drew Wonder Woman for quite a few years. which made, yep. And I thought it was interesting that the character, one of his goals was to try to worsen World War II. <laughs> kind of interesting. 
All right, next up is Big Jerry Ordway, folks. Is that what we decided to call him? No, I forget what no. we decided. Okay. Well, it's Jerry Ordway, the master. So, and he is drawing Fury, who is uh, the daughter of Earth 2's Wonder Woman from the Infinity Incorporated. So this is a really nice shot of Fury, sort of an a honestly reminds me of like a like a, a high school senior class picture. Yeah, I was thinking that it's a very low key pose as opposed to her smashing stuff or whatever. Yep, because in the background, you know, there's there's some there are actually like family photos. Her lifting somebody on a swing, you know, on a swing set. Her with her dad. I believe that's supposed to be Hector Hammond. Oh, uh, not Hector, Hector Hall. Hector Hall. Hector yeah, Hammond. Hector Hammond. There's a relationship that yeah. went south. So. Hector Hall, yes, and then above that is her with Hector Hall again. Even though she looks a little evil in that drawing of the serpent, but so you've got a nice family portrait of Wonder Woman, her and Steve Trevor, her dad. You got her ripping open a giant rock. So an interesting, you know, origin and stuff with her. She was the daughter of the Earth Two Wonder Woman, like I said, but she didn't want to become a superhero until she was inspired by the Earth One Wonder Woman. Ouch! I know. Now, uh, she was, you know, a founding member of Infinity, Inc., and sort of had a reduced amount of power since she was half-human. So she didn't have full Amazonian powers, but she was, you know, she was still very powerful. Now, she would later go on and have some wild sort of involvement with the DC Universe. She, Neil Gaiman picked her and Hector Hall up and used them. That's right. Yes, she became the mother of Daniel. Daniel is... Sandman, or Morpheus's son, who takes over when Morpheus or Sandman died. So she is like the mother of a god, really. <laughs> and then later on, Jeff John sort of reclaimed her, and she became the wife, or girlfriend, I think wife? I don't remember which, probably wife, of uh, Hector, I guess she was already married to Hector Hall. Either way, she's with Hector Hall, who at that point had been reborn, and became Dr. Fate. Sort of a long, winding road she's had. And now, I don't think... Well, you know, they've introduced that new Wonder Woman daughter character in Earth 2. I wonder if that... I wonder if she's supposed to be the same sort of character. I actually am behind on my Earth 2 reading. I haven't read those issues yet, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if she's Fury, you know? Mm-hmm. Her she uni- has dark hair, but... It never really occurred to me before, but her uniform, she has like a half bre- half breastplate. Yes. And I would assume that that's a, a riff on the Amazons, which, you know, cut off one of their breasts so they could fire their bow and arrow more accurately. I was assuming that that was, when I'm looking at it, it's like, oh, that must be a gloss on that, that thing. Yes, that's exactly, uh, that same thought occurred to me today, too, when I was staring at her costume. I was like, huh, what's that? Oh, that's right. Next up is Hippolyta, mother of Wonder Woman. What? We need a pronunciation guide for this one, by God. Hippolyta. That's, I always call her Hippolyta. Right, but I, what I think I'd have heard her said, uh, the name said on like Wonder Woman TV show or on Justice League Unlimited, they always said Hippolyta. Like those are uh, those are authoritative. Right, exactly. Uh, drawn by Jerry Ardway Ordway. Thank you very much. Um, she, Ardway? Ardway Ordway. I, somebody came up with that, and uh, I like it a lot. I, I'm still going with Jerry above reproach Ordway until something to, better comes along. Well, something better did just come along. Uh, anyway, this is drawn by Jerry Ordway, which means it's awesome, and it is. She's great. Yes. It's a great pose. Uh, a little, uh, probably like a little more sexual than you first uh, first notice. Like when I was a kid, I didn't notice, but 
if you look, you see that her whole blouse thing is very diaphanous, and you can sort of make out her her legs through that thing, and it's uh, it's very sensual in a lot of ways. I mean, he was great at drawing women, of course. Um, there's a close up. Do, do, do you need a moment? No, because I'm an okay. adult and I can handle myself. Uh, we, there's you're a, handling yourself where you record yes, the podcast. Yes, I am. That's what that sound oh, was cool. earlier. Uh, oh. There's a close up of her. <laughs> Uh, just wait till we get to Hoongan. Uh, there's a close-up, and then there's her in battle, <laughs> and then we see her in charge, and then we see her with her, her girls, Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl. Very, very nice. Beautiful drawing. I mean, it's just, it's classic. It looks like something out of a history book, and, uh, you know, Ordway can do no wrong, and, uh, this is just a, a great entry all around. Her first appearance was in All-Star Comics number eight. And then her modern version was in Wonder Woman number 98, which is weird because Wonder Woman number 98, I think, is still like in the early 50s. So that would, to me, still suggest you're talking about the Earth 2 Wonder Woman, not the Earth 1 version. But, you know. Probably where they changed her hair or gave Wonder Woman's new origin. Maybe so. Maybe so. So. Because it's interesting that this this entry does cover both Golden Age and Modern Age. And they say the only difference is black. the Golden Age version had black hair. <laughs> Which is interesting because the post-Christ version also has black hair. So, um, I, I, her crown is, I never noticed, is really weird. Like, you really notice it in the close-up, the beautiful close-up he did of her face. He's looking at the crown, I was like, that's a really strange crown. Looks, but yes, it does. Amazing work by Ordway here. Just, I, you know, I, I sound like a parrot repeating what you said, but just, wow. A nice use of cross-hatching for shadowing and stuff. Really gorgeous stuff. Now, it talks about here how she adopted Wonder Girl, and we'll eventually get to Wonder Girl's origin, but, like, that's pretty screwy. You do know the deal with Wonder Girl, right? I can't keep track of it anymore. I don't remember. Well, I don't know what they retconned later on, but how she actually came about. They were basically like Superboy stories. There were stories of Wonder Woman as a girl. But then, someone decided to write Teen Titans and put her in there. Like, they didn't pay attention. That had to be the Wonder Girl. It could have been. I Actually, Haney wrote a lot of Teen Titans, so maybe so. Where literally they just, it, it'd be like putting Superboy in a modern-day team going, um, but that's just Superman. What are you doing? <laughs> so and then, so they then they had to come up with all these excuses, which is part of the reason that they constantly reinvent her origin every couple of years. is almost sort of a, a gag, acknowledging the fact that her origin, she shouldn't exist. Great entry. Absolutely love this. Can't say enough things. Half of the page is Kung from Wonder Woman, a Wonder Woman villain drawn by Dennis Cowan and Dick Giordano, who make a great team. Uh, he, he looks, you know, it, there's not a lot of room here. There's a big close-up of his face, then him striking kind of a karate-type pose, and then him morphing into an animal. Uh, one of the, kind of a goofy costume, but he looks cool. I think he said that Cowan and Giordano were a great art team. So, uh, you know, this makes, it, this makes for a nice listing, even though it's so tiny and there's not a lot of information there. The most disappointing thing about this entry is that his logo does not actually feature his full name. Because he is actually Kung, the assassin of a thousand claws. <laughs> it's like the greatest name ever. Todd Klein is like, I'm not doing all that. No. Screw you. <laughs> he had to go to lunch. And he's like, ah, it's fine. Done. Kung, and apparently done. Uh, he dealt with the All-Star Squadron some. Yes. Now, I'm Wonder Woman 237 is, I mean, he's a 1940s character. So, uh, this is Kung died in 1943 during a battle with the Wonder Woman, see Wonder Woman 1. However, the so-called crisis in infant earths altered Wonder Woman's history. Perhaps Kung did not die after all. Uh-huh. So, th- so this, so I mean, 
Wonder Woman 237, is this, there was that period where Wonder Woman was back in the 40s? Was that during Th- this point? That's exactly what I was going to ask, because I remember during, like, when the TV, sh- if I remember all this right, and nobody read Wonder Woman back then, so, you know, any, no one's really, it's anybody's guess, except for Wikipedia's. Wonder Woman definitely had a period where it was the 1940s stories, and it was also, I, I didn't that parallel when the TV show was in the 40s? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. okay. So, it could have been that she met Kung then, or... I know there were backup strips with Earth 2 characters from time to time. So, like, Huntress had one, and I don't know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe Wonder Woman 1 did as well. Who knows? Hmm. Sounds like we couldn't do any research, but, you know, what the hell. It sounds like we don't care enough, because it's Bronze Age Wonder Woman. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Mars by Don Heck from uh, Wonder Woman. Going all the way back to Wonder Woman number 1 and a lot of Wonder woman stuff. You've got a, a picture of, imagine this, an omniscient sort of universe-powerful character who for some reason decides to dress like he's from Earth's history as a gladiator type looking <laughs> character. Mm. Shai's got a problem with this. Um, all I'm going to say is I read this entry. All right, I'm sorry. I attempted to read this entry three times last night. I fell asleep every time. I tried to read it today. I started to fall asleep again. All I'm going to say is the art's fine. Is this it's the, not great, but it's fine. Is this the only entry that in the history part actually lists a comic book? It does. It does list. Thank you. I, I, did, I had a note to mention that. It does say Wonder Woman number one specifically like in here. It, within the history. Like, that's the only time I can think of. That, that I can't thing. promise you it's the only one. Right. But it is definitely. It jumps out of you as, as yep. pretty, pretty rare. Uh, next up is Paradise Island, of course, the original from All-Star Comics number 8, Wonder Woman's home base, drawn by Jose Delbo and Greg Theakston. That's interesting. Two of my teachers at the Cuber School have pages right in a row here. Greg uh, Theakston was one of your teachers? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, the uh, Jose Delbo. Oh, Jose Delbo. Oh, gave, oh, okay. Gave me a bad grade. I never got over it. Uh, this <laughs> is... <laughs> Paradise Island, everybody knows what Paradise Island is all about. We see some insets of um, some of the things there. There's Reform Island, which is an island of an island. The Coliseum, where girls fight one another, which is hot. The Kanga Races, (laughs) the temple where they pray to their gods. And then Silence Island, which is another little satellite island here. And there's like the landing strip. That's not a dirty metaphor. The landing strip where people can land their planes or whatever. Of course, not then. Uh, oh my God! Would 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 everyone listening please take note who <laughs> went down Perf Street just then? It wasn't me. <laughs> I know. Uh, it is Paradise Island. It really is. Uh, no, it's great. It's it's a it's a you know it's a nice drawing. There's not a lot to say about it. In the, in the surprint, there's some of the Amazons, including including uh, Hippolyta. There. Um, oddly, I, I guess that's supposed to be Diana riding the Kanga. It looks like her. Um, but it, it could be anybody, but yeah. It could be anybody, but, we, but but generally they refrain from showing Wonder Woman in this drawing, which is interesting. I'm not sure if that was good or bad, but it's an interesting idea to kind of give it more of its own identity of not putting Wonder Woman. I mean, she's all over the history of it, but uh, but in terms of the drawing, you really don't see her. You know, it, the, the serpent is those three characters in the back. I thought they were supposed to be the gods at first, and then I kept looking at them like, why is a god wearing glasses? <laughs> And it was really, really bothering me until I figured out, okay, in the front is uh, Hapala. Yeah. And she's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. She really is. Stunning. And then I, it took me a while to realize that person with the glasses has got to be Paula von Gunther, 
who's actually from outside Paradise Island, one of the few strangers that was granted access to the island. She's actually become their chief scientist. That must be who that is. And, it's, and it, it sort of backs it up if you look at the Science Island drawing. It's the same person. I don't know who's in the background, the big warrior lady, though. I don't know who that is. No, me neither. I'm sure Frank would. I think there's a lot to say about this drawing, actually. It's, it's really cool. Again, it's a glimpse into uh, Wonder Woman's world moments before it's all changed. Yes. Now, it, it, as you said, it mentions Reform Island and Science Island, but in the text... It doesn't mention Science Island. It mentions Forbidden Island, which I thought was really strange. They're sort of contradictory because the text says there's only two islands nearby, Reform Island and Forbidden Island. <laughs> but there's, science, there's a bridge even going to Science Island. What are you talking about? I see it right there. Anyway, the text is really – Do not get Hippolyta mad because then the traffic will get blocked on the way to the Science <laughs> Island. You don't want that. I don't know if you took the time to read the entry. I mean it's another one of these – Huge, huge chunks of Greek uh, mythology in there. Just tons and tons of it. And then they sort of sprinkle comic book things. Like two-thirds of the whole entry on the bottom. And there is a lot of text. It's Greek mythology. Now, there's interesting stuff. Like, there's two... According to this, there's two different Themysciras. And neither one were on the Amazon. Like, wouldn't Amazons come from the Amazon? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, not in this case. Okay. I, okay. I thought they did. Anyway. Doesn't matter anyway. 15 minutes, George Perez is going to change everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice drawing, though. I mean, it's certainly one of the seminal places of the DC universe. Yeah, I'd, I'd hang out there. Funny. Paradise not. Island gets a listing. Metropolis, Gotham City do not. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, next up is the Silver Swan, drawn by Bill Sinkevich, doing his normal superb Whoa. job. This is a Wonder Woman villain. She first appeared in Wonder Woman number, what does that say in there, 288. Um, she is your classic, you know, kind of very unattractive, put-upon young lady who gets transformed into a supervillain, and she takes revenge because she's she's now beautiful. And But in the background here, you've got, you've got this, first of all, you got a great pose. She's off to the left-hand side, and she's got she's striking very modelly pose, and the way Sienkiewicz draws her is very, very alluring. But then we see a little bit of her personal history. We see her getting made fun of by these two jerks, calling her ugly, and she's looking very ashamed. Then we see her fighting uh, Wonder Woman, and then we see her with, I think, Mars, flying around with Mars. It's a beautiful list. And Sienkiewicz, every single one that Sienkiewicz did was great, um, in my opinion, this one I think is even one of the better ones out of that group because it is—it's just—it tells you everything you need to know about the character in just that little block. Yep, no doubt about it. And th- this reminds me a lot of his um, work during his New Mutants era. You know, it really has that sort of look as, as he drew in the new. Some of the stuff doesn't look—you know—some of it's just off the wall. This looks like his New Mutants work, and I just—that's I, a favorite period of mine. Do you notice the serpents two colors? Yes. Yeah, you got Mars in blue, and then some like some yep. of the, the little lines in. But uh, yeah, yep. I just think this is just really great. She's crazy sexy. She really is. I like her occupation, ballerina. Yeah, you know, well, that's different. That's a job. So, and uh, the part. Yeah, sure. The part of Ares uh, being played by Brian Blessed there, which just looks nice. <laughs> so uh, overall, very nice piece. I really like it for a Wonder Woman. And then the logo even looks badass because he did that too. Yeah, so. it's great. It's great. Tim Trench, 
private investigator. Really interesting one. Uh, art by Sandy Plunkett and P. Craig Russell. And uh, he is a P.I., straight-up human P.I., nothing fancy about him. He appeared in some Wonder Woman issues. In fact, I looked it up. He only had really five appearances prior to this entry, and it was in sort of two runs. He was like in a three-issue run and a two-issue run. And uh, he, uh, well, he's just kind of a straight-up P.I. Now, I have to say, I, I'm pretty impressed with the art, the Sandy Plunkett and P. Craig Russell art. I, I love it. The design, especially in the Serpent, is gorgeous, the way he's got the desk, and it almost looks like the desk is dripping as a design effect. And the, yeah, the wood grain is sort of cut at odd angles. Yep, and the, the coffee's smoking, and he's at his desk, and in the background he's punching somebody, and there's like a, a weird sort of like a flagpole wrapped around there or something. I can't tell by the tip end of the circle that's uh, around his close-up of his face. And then, you know, his image in the front, he's, you know, this disheveled P.I., his face is in shadows, things like that. It looks really, really nice. Yeah, I think it's a great list. I mean, I don't – this this listing feels a little like um, – does he really deserve his own listing here? It's almost no. like we want I, – I feel like the DC editors decided, you know, we need to have more Wonder Woman characters represented. So let's pluck every character that was in Wonder Woman and give them their listing. That said, it's a great piece. And I – Cindy Plunkett and Peter Russell were not people that did a lot of stuff for DC. So here we are right out of the gate. You know, great example of what we were just talking about of getting somebody that was sort of unusual for DC and getting the dude to do a DC listing. So – I, I think it's great. Yeah, Cindy Plunkett pretty much was known at this point for doing some Marvel Universe and um, Who's Who, and that's it. So I actually I sat there, I'm like, wow. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a weird team. Sandy Plunkett and Pete Craig Russell. I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if they were maybe, maybe they were dating at this point or something. You know, if Sandy and, and Craig were dating, and then I looked it up. Oh, Sandy's a guy. Um, well, I, I didn't know that. So I had no idea. That didn't mean they weren't dating. <laughs> I suppose that's true, but either way, I had no idea. So, Oh, but I forgot to mention, there's like a little P.I. shield down here with a T.T. on it. Uh, do you see that? The bottom yes. left? That's so cute. Or maybe I like his, his logo. The T in his name is a gun. Yes, bullet. that is a very slick too. Now, I didn't really go in the entry. I mean, basically, yes, he's a Wonder Woman character, and it's from the white-suited white Diana Prince era. And it gets mixed up with Dr. Cyber a little bit in here. But he's, he's essentially, at the end of the day, he's just a PI. Now, there is some very flowery language in here, which makes me wonder if one of the people who wrote Who's Who wrote this entry, Tim Trench never went in for fancy things like martial arts. As he said, I put my faith in a right cross and a lead pill. He's a tough man in a scrap, being well-muscled and quick on his feet as well as tough. He favors in a uh, 357, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on. Um, it's just, you know, he plied his trade quietly over the years. His cases have been largely successful, and he manages to earn a rep respectable living. You know, it's just the way it's sort of, and I'm not picking out the best entries. I should have, like, sort of earmarked the actual paragraphs. But the entry does have some flowery language that makes me go, I wonder if the writer who wrote those issues had something to do with this. So, you know, there's always those entries that sort of stand out in mm -hmm. that way. Anyway, um... Nice one. I, I like it. It's a good way to start the entry, or start the book, because it gives you sort of a, a very, uh, you know, unknown character. And yet, it's a nice entry. Wonder Girl, with the most oddly boring logo ever. Hmm. That must be an official logo, then, or something, because Todd would have come up with something more interesting than that. So, this is Donna Troy, sporting her red, um, you know, New Teen Titans uh, outfit, as drawn by George Perez here, of course. And uh, she looks gorgeous, as you would expect. George Perez always did a gorgeous Wonder Girl. I don't know about you, but I had the hots for Donna Troy growing up uh, because specifically of George Perez's New Teen Titans artwork of her. Just, whew, just gorgeous woman. 
And um, it, this is this is going to be specific. This is Donna Hinckley Stacy Troy. Don't be mistaken. And it lists her first appearance as Brave and the Bold number 60, which is true and not true. Uh, for those of you who don't know the history, I'm going to give you real quick. When Wonder Girl first appeared, she was in backup stories in the Wonder Woman comic, and she was actually, much like Superboy, it was the adventures of Wonder Woman when she was a girl. And she had a number of adventures. Her first time she ever appeared was Wonder Woman number 23. She wasn't called Wonder Girl at that point, but the name pretty quickly came about. There were Wonder Girl stories. There were Wonder Tot stories. These were in the back of Wonder Woman on a regular basis. Well, our buddy, Bob Haney, Zany Haney, when he got to writing the Teen, Teen, the Teen Titans, he decided to just bring Wonder Girl into the Teen Titans, which didn't make any sense because Wonder Girl was Wonder Woman when she was a girl and the Teen Titans were contemporary. <laughs> Hashtag Haney don't kiss. <laughs> so he just brought Wonder Girl in. So, um, you, you, so to deal with that, I didn't know this. This part I didn't know until I was researching it for this episode. Apparently... There was an issue um, about four months after Brave and the Bold number 60. So when they brought Wonder Girl, you know, a new version, if you will, modern-day Wonder Girl. She was, this, she was identical. There was nothing different. It's just it was a screw-up in continuity. Anyway, so about four months after her first appearance in Brave and the Bold number 60, Bob Kaniger decided to retcon the Wonder, Wonder Woman when she was a girl out of history. In, in Wonder Woman number 158, he actually drew this story where Wonder Girl came and met a, a quote-unquote artist, and he told her how much he loved her just like a daughter, and like he loved all the other women characters he created, and basically, in the, in the comic, retconned her out of existence. Right. I, just, I think I've seen that panel. Like, how he tells, bizarre. He tells them like to basically get out of the book. Yeah, how meta is that? I mean, wow! And I guess that was him just surrendering the character to Haney, essentially, for Teen Titans at that point. So I didn't know about that till now. So Now, because of the sort of confusion and the way she was introduced, there was a whole series of, you know, who... It, 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 well, first there's that. Then there was the crisis where Wonder Woman wasn't around anymore, so how do you have Wonder Girl without Wonder Woman? So there's a lot of confusion about her origin quite frequently, and many writers have decided to revisit it, sometimes unnecessarily because they just like to touch on this thing because she was, you know, a, a paradox in creation. So that's given us stories like, you know, who is Donna Troy, who is Troya, who is Wonder Girl, who's that hot chicken red. You know, there's all these different stories they've done over the years about her history. And it gets convoluted. You know, at this point in history, she was, oh gosh, I forget. Um, it had to do with gods in... I read it just like two nights ago. I, I've forgotten. She ended up in an orphanage. She was adopted by these people. Right. And, she's rescued by Wonder Woman. Right. And, and Hippolyta grants her the powers, basically, is how she right. gets them. So, yeah. Whereas later on, she's actually a daughter of the, the gods and things like that. But that's not in place at this point. So, ah, okay. Um, and, of course, there's Terry Long gets mentioned. <laughs> What a schlub. She is the most relative of probably any character in Who's Who. She's about 30 known relative. Quite possibly. Well, I don't know. Superman had quite a few, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. Is that her classic costume in the background? It looks like it. Where she's crushing a big boulder or something like that? Uh, yes, I think so, because it looks like she's got like a skirt. Yeah. On. So, yeah, that's the one she had. Yeah, it's a beautiful drawing. I mean, of course, it's by George Perez. You know, it, look, it looks great. Yep. you got her in the foreground with her lasso. You've got uh, in the background in the serpent, you've got sort of the stars and stripes. You've got her and Terry Long. And then again, as we said, there's this tiny little image of her and her, what appears to be her old costume, smashing up a bunch of um, trademark Perez boulders. Yep. <laughs> All right. 
Man, she's hot. Whew. All right. Moving on. Next entry. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Bum, 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 bum. So that's your cue. All right, wait, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Way, to, way to drop the ball. All right, this is Wonder Woman number one, Golden Age Wonder Woman, art by Trina Robbins, as Rob mentioned at the top of the show. She had just come off of, what was this, The Legend of Wonder Woman? The Legend of, the Legend of Wonder Woman, yeah. Which was a four-issue miniseries um, bridging the gap between the Bronze Age Wonder Woman series that ended after Crisis and the George Perez era of Wonder Woman that bridged the gap in between and sort of celebrated the, the, the Golden Age Wonder Woman who was working her way out of continuity. Celebrated in a legally binding manner. <laughs> what? Well, that part of the reason that was published oh. is because they were like, Wonder Woman has to be published every month or DC had some sort of deal where they would lose some part of it. So that's partly why they published that series was to be able to say we're, we did publish a Wonder Woman comic every single month. That's true. Now, that's not the case anymore. No. That's been resolved now, but right. yes, you are correct. So. Right. so you get the gorgeous classic Wonder Woman logo. You've got a very 1940s-looking Wonder Woman. She, Trina Robbins just did a bang-up job on this. And it's, it's a two-page spread. Her lasso sort of lasso, lassoing in her own continuity in the Serpent, where you see her, uh, her bouncing bullets off her bracelets. She's hanging out with the girls of Holiday College, including Fat Eddie Candy. And I only say that because they make a big point of her being fat in the, in the entry. Uh, you see her with Hippolyta. You see her finding Steve Trevor. And then you see her battling a mermaid lady of some kind. I don't know who that is. I so. mean, yeah, I mean, they got, they got Trina Robbins probably because her style is probably the most similar to the style of H.G. Um, Peter, who drew the original Wonder Woman strip. There you go. And it talks about how Wonder Woman uh, was, was formed from clay by Hippolyta, by direction from the gods, talks about her falling in love with Steve Trevor, talks about the tournament. I mean, and I'm kind of brushing over this because we all know Wonder Woman's origin. I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but, you know, the, she, the tournament she, can, she competed in to see who would go to the uh, United States to represent the, the Amazons, where she won that. Then there's some stuff in here I didn't know, and I wonder how much of it actually happened in the comics in the 40s and how much was retconned later. But, like, she goes and she meets a nurse whose real name is Diana Prince. Yeah, I didn't this, know any of that stuff. Yeah, and the lady's leaving, I think, the country, and she make, she basically saves somebody, and she makes a deal with the woman and says, you know, okay, I'll help you out. You let me take your identity. So she becomes, and apparently they look very much alike. So she takes on this identity of this real-world Diana Prince. And then she ends up um, spending a lot of time with the girls at Holiday College, and they do apparently make a big deal about how Wonder Woman was shocked at how fat Etta Candy had gotten, because um, that's apparently a thing. I knew she was an overweight character, but I didn't know they made a big deal about her weight. But And it talks about that she hung out quite a bit with the sorority girls from Holiday College. Then uh, we find out about her un- unbreakable lasso, which was made from Hippolyta's magic girdle links. I didn't realize that. I didn't know you could make a lasso out of girdle links, but there you have it. Uh, should we hear about her being the JSA secretary and the bracelets? If you bind them you know, by man, she, she's unable to, you know... I think she loses her powers. And uh, Lasso, it's, it's not a Lasso of Truth. It's a Lasso that will make you do her will. So, And it, it makes a point of saying she cannot glide like the later version of Wonder Woman can. Right. So um, the only thing I found a little disappointing in this, and it's understandable, but is um, there is no image of Fury, her daughter, in here. No, you're right. There isn't. Yeah. But it's really more of a celebration of Wonder Woman in the 40s, really, is what that looks like. Yeah, this is, I mean, other than the last paragraph where it talks about what happened to her post-crisis, yeah. this really does pretty much just talk about the, yeah, the, the Wonder Woman of the 40s. Visually and everything else, this is just the 40s Wonder Woman. 
It just does seem like they could have had a panel you know, or a little tiny shot, inset pod shot in the background of, like, her elderly with Steve and Lyda. It just yeah. seems like it would have made sense. Yeah. Gorgeous piece. Um, Warner Roman deserves that much attention. So happy it's there. And uh, woohoo! Very nice. Very nice. All right. Up next is Wonder Woman, the Bronze Age version, with art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. With assistance. Thank you, Praise be his name, with inks by Dick Giordano and Zoom Yakanori. <laughs> yes, folks, that's right. Uh, a couple issues ago, you remember we covered one, uh, Superman in the Bronze Age. Uh, Zoom had submitted in a gorgeous two-page spread of Superman using Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, artwork to create the long-missing Earth One Superman entry for Who's Who. That was has it just. Everyone went nuts over that. Absolutely loved it. Well, he's done it again. He has created a Earth One Wonder Woman entry for us. Man, it's gorgeous. It will definitely be our, on our Tumblr, and it will go viral, I'm sure, like the Superman one did. And uh, people will fall in love with this as well. It's a gorgeous piece, what he's put together. You've got Wonder Woman in the foreground running at you. In the background, you've got Diana Prince you know, with her hair all pulled back on her glasses. You see her mother, Hippolyta, on Paradise Island. Um, you see her in her white pantsuit that, you know, she wore when she was in the uh, Diana yeah. Prince age. Yeah, her, her, her Emma Peel look with I Ching in the background. Is that who that is? Okay, yeah, I figured it was. Yeah. So, you've got the Invisible Jet, which looks like Steve's flying it. Um, you've got her with her lasso fighting a giant robot thing, and then she's she's looping Cheetah. So, uh, again, um, Jose Luis Garcia artwork, Dick Giordano inking, and then in some of these panels, Zoom had to ink himself. So he gave himself a credit, which I think he is very deserving. Yeah, he does. He absolutely deserves it. I, you know, if we had unlimited cash, which we don't, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> we don't even have limited cash. We don't have limited <laughs> cash. I would literally hire Zoom to do a whole book of missing Who's Who character entries. Uh, I, I would send him a list of who should have been in Who's Who and just have him do a whole book. And we would just do a whole issue, a whole episode of the show cover. Because this... I love the Superman one, and this one is just as good. The Wonder Woman one is just as good. This is just so beautiful. You didn't mention that the logo he uses from the 70s. Oh, yeah, comic. good point. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's just such a beautiful drawing. He did such a great job. I mean, it just it looks like it looks totally legit. Yes. I mean, if you put this in the middle of the book, you would not know the difference. I mean, it well, is period perfect. I printed out the Superman one, and, has, and I inserted it in my Who's Who comic. I plan to do that with the Wonder Woman one as well. And notice the page numbers are five and a half. And five yes. and three fourths. <laughs> absolutely perfect. Yeah. I mean, he really was paying attention to the detail on this one. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about the entry as if it's a legit who's who entry because, as far as I'm concerned, it is pretty damn legit. <laughs> so, um, there's some fun things in here. Like, I didn't realize that um, she, uh, where is it? Occupation. Uh, <laughs> occupation. <laughs> the 17, astronaut. Astro- the 17 occupation. And then the, the mod boutique. What is that about? Mod boutique I, owner. I don't remember that. So. Well, that's when she was. Uh, that's when she was Emma Peel, United, oh, United Nations guy, translator, astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am curious. We'll have to let Zoom tell us how much of this he pulled from, like maybe one of the, uh, you know, DC handbook role playing things, or if he compiled all this himself, or Wikipedia, or what. But uh, it, the, the origin talks about again. Hippolyta created the, the 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 baby from clay. However, in this case, she created two babies. She created both, and one of them was whisked away by the evil god Mars, who raised that baby as his own, and that would grow up to be Wonder Woman's sister, Nubia. And 
Mars trained her to be a warrior. You know, you get the, the very typical things we've already talked about. You get Steve Trevor crashing on the island. You get the tournament. Then you get her going on to man's world. She becomes a military nurse, ends up in military intelligence. And they talk about there's a romance with Wonder Woman. It's interesting. Um, and I guess this is more of a trope of the 70s. And I forget because I came up as a post-crisis baby, really. But Steve Trevor was in love with Wonder Woman, not with Diana Prince. Just like Lois Lane was in love with Superman, not Clark Kent. And for me, uh, you know, when I think of Superman, I think of, like, Lois was in love with Clark, not Superman. And I don't know in post-crisis if Steve Trevor ever really got romantically involved with Wonder Woman. I don't really know that, but either way. I have no idea. It's just always weird for me to think of a, a, a mortal man and a superhero together rather than their secret identity. But... Um, they do talk about how she gave up her powers and her Wonder Woman identity when the Amazons left Earth, and she uh, was trained by Ai Chang, and that was during, yes, her white pantsuit era, which was uh, Diana Prince, the new Wonder Woman, I believe. Yeah. Diablo Frank has a website in, even named after that, I think. Then Steve Trevor died, which is very sad, and then Aphrodite was kind enough to bring him back to life. Twice! <laughs> um, it gets really confusing. Like, they found the body of Steve from an alternate universe and brought him here and put his spirit in him and then make everyone in the world forget he died. I mean, it's, they went through a lot of effort just to get back to zero is kind of what it was, you know, back to the status quo. So, woo, that sounded like a heck of a story. Then her and Steve got married on Mount Olympus around the time of the crisis, and it was a very short-lived marriage because um, – during crisis, I, I had forgotten this. I can't believe that. But during crisis, the anti-monitor uh, in a battle basically threw her back in time, and she regressed to clay. Ooh, that's nasty. Yeah, just as they were escaping the portal, he, like, vomits up a whole bunch of fire and melts her into nothing. It was very offhand. It was just like, boom, whatever was that? Oh, no, let's keep going. You know, it was right. just so yeah. quickly done. And that was just basically so they could make way for the retconning version of the Perez one. Right, right, right. So she's got gliding. She talks about how she's not invulnerable. She's uh, she's fluent in every language, including caveman and Martian. That's very helpful. And uh, so really, really neat stuff. And um, I Ching, you know, trained her in martial arts. So yep. I, I'm totally floored by this. Uh, he mentions uh, he credits Wonder Woman number ninety eight as her first appearance, the first appearance of this of the okay. Silver Age Wonder Woman, and I was like, "Where did he get that from?" So I looked it up on Mike's Amazing World, and according to Mike, who is essentially the authority on this, he credits that issue as the first appearance because it says here number ninety eight. Uh, this story features a new origin for Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman that is distinctly different from previous versions. All reference to World War II have been removed, so this should be considered the origin of the Earth-1 version of Wonder Woman. I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, so, so, so Zoom was not just making that up. He pulled that from, a, from an authority. <laughs> I don't think he just picked a random issue. <laughs> well, I figured he had a reason. I just didn't know. I didn't know that there was any sort of distinct thing. So that, that, makes, that seems to make sense to me. So... Well, I mean, we, we've had many a discussion over the over the last three years about the Superman breaking point of where right. Earth One takes over and right. the Batman breaking Batman, point. Where, right. Yeah, so I mean, it just makes sense as Wonder Woman. I just, yep. I'm not as familiar with with Wonder Woman. Right. So great job, Zoom. Great yep. job. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. Uh, next up, Wonder Woman. According to this book, it's Wonder Woman two, but I'm going to call her Wonder, Wonder Woman three. This would be the George Perez-era Wonder Woman, and it is a, another gorgeous two-page spread, uh, this one by George. On the left-hand side, you've got Wonder Woman's new logo, which I've always thought is just a neat logo, very um, stars and stripes very celebratory, beautiful sort of arcing logo. 
you've got Wonder Woman uh, flying, it looks like. She's got her lasso warping behind her. She's got, in the background, is that Hippolyta or Wonder Woman in armor? I'm not sure. I think it's Wonder Woman. Okay. You've got the cave, which we'll talk about. Uh, I guess that's the cave underneath Paradise Island. You've got uh, Hippolyta forming Wonder Woman as a clay baby. You've got the gods of Olympus. You've got Wonder Woman lifting up a trademarked George Perez block of rock. And uh, then bullets bouncing off her and a gorgeous shot of her without her tiara, which I guess qualifies as her mask. But let's see here. Uh, this one, it's interesting. Her first appearance, they give her All-Star Comics number eight. So they go back and give her the original first appearance of Wonder Woman. And just so you know, just to give some frame of reference, at this point, Perez's Wonder Woman was only on issue number three. So all we've really seen of Wonder Woman so far is the Legends miniseries and three issues of Wonder Woman. And yet they still managed to fill two pages with a ton of text. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's so much text. The gist of it is, it's, it's a lot of Greek history. They talk about how the, there's a place in Greek mythology where apparently women who are killed before their time, like if they're murdered, especially by a man or whatever, the souls of these women go to a certain place. And then the story goes on how all these women are reincarnated, and they become the, the Amazons, essentially. And then it, the story goes on talks about how Heracles came to see them, um, and he tricked them. And eventually you get two Amazon I'm, – I'm really breezing through this quickly. Uh, you get two Amazon factions. Then there is the the whole thing with Wonder Woman's formed from clay, the tournament, and the stuff that you kind of already know. And then it does mention that Wonder Woman's not fighting crime yet, which, you know, obviously that's going to happen. But at this point she's come to Earth uh, – come to the man's world as an ambassador. And it talks about how she has flight and the lasso of truth. And you I read this incarnation of Wonder Woman, right? I did. I loved it. Uh, I mean, my only problem ever historically with with this version was that she was never part of the JLA because she was a new character. I mean, I knew they had to do it that way, but I, it just always bothered me that she was never part of the Justice League in new continuity. And in my mind, I'm like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> it's always the seven, you know. It's, they yeah. didn't. It's not Black Canary and stuff like that. But I really liked Perez's Wonder Woman. I think I read, I don't know, like the first four years of the title or something. I mean, I read. That was the longest stretch I've ever read Wonder Woman because I thought he did a really, really great job. He was a pretty good writer. Usually, you know, not a lot of artists when they become writers, you know, can necessarily do that that good job of it. But I thought he did a really fine job. Well, you know, you mentioned she wasn't part of the Justice League. Well, they they fiddled about with that over the years. Like, uh, you know, later on, Byrne was all set on getting continuity sort of back to some extent. So Hippolyta became Wonder Woman and got thrown back in time was the Wonder Woman of World War II. Right, right. And then there was another retcon, I think after, jeez, was it after Zero Hour or after Infinite Crisis or something? One of those soft reboots they did where suddenly Wonder Woman was part of the Justice League, the first incarnation of the Justice League. But it was like a minor point, so it's like people didn't pay much attention to it. But anyway, they've, they've tried to adjust that over the years, and, and well, now she's Superman's girlfriend, so there you go. Have a couple of surprise entries. So, Rob, what are yes, you talking about these? Uh, our friend and yours, uh, Zoom Yukonori, not only sent us the Wonder Woman from the Silver Age listing, he sent us two custom listings for characters that he felt should have been included, and they are, again, they'll appear on the Tumblr, of course, they are just as brilliant as the Wonder Woman Superman entries. The first one is Nubia from Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman side character, first appeared in Wonder Woman number 204. Here it's drawn by Don Heck and Zoom Yukonori. And uh, it is gorgeous. I mean, it is beautiful. Uh, I would argue that Nubia probably doesn't deserve a listing in Who's Who. But when it looks this pretty, uh, it's worth it. And credit must be given, Nubia had an action figure 
Yes, uh, uh, Mego did a Nubia doll because they had a Wonder Woman line, and there was a Nubia doll. So yeah, I would I would argue with you then. Then yes, she did deserve it. Yeah, I mean, re- I mean, I, I was sort of arguing with myself and saying she didn't really deserve one. But good lord, she had a toy. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can't say that about Nodar, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Nubia was uh, this you know sort of sister character to Wonder Woman, sort of. She's, you know, a fierce warrior, and so the drawing is, I don't know where he pulled this from, where Zoom pulled this from, because the, the pose looks like a who's who kind of pose. It does. It really I does. I mean, it, it's a very good, I mean, it looks like the kind of thing that you would show to somebody if you wanted to show, like, a toy manufacturer, what does Nubia look like? This is what you would show them. It's yeah. an incredibly, you know, clear image of the character. So Zoom not only is great at sort of, making these things look period perfect but like he finds the really good artwork to use it looks completely plausible uh and the logo too i mean i don't know where yep. he got the logo from i mean he did such a good job and i almost don't want to know i don't want to know the, the, the magic trick behind it well, well the art's don heck and don heck right. was drawing the bronze age wonder woman at that time so it's probably from an issue and he just really cleaned it up i guess you know? so but i mean he just it looks it just doesn't look like it, it, it to me it, it looks much better than something you'd see in a panel uh, necessarily, yeah, but it looks great. Yeah, it's just it's really really gorgeous, and uh, even gives it even ends it with where she says this in time. Nubia learned of her two origins and birthright, and rejoined her mother and her fellow Amazons on the second as the second princess of Paradise Island. And in the surprint, we see the volcano, these little things coming out of the volcano. We see Zeus uh, talking to Aphrodite. We see Nubia attacking Wonder Woman, and then uh, Nubia with uh, some tri- African tribesmen. So I mean, it's it's beautiful. The Zoom did another. You know, another fantastic job on this. They're not African tribesmen. They're tribesmen from Slaughter Island. Slaughter Island. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. They're not African. That attacked Paradise Island because Nubia yeah. wanted to have the title of the true Wonder Woman. Now, she was being controlled, though, to be fair, right. um, by Mars. And she had a magic sword which negated Wonder Woman's magic lasso, which is pretty cool. Very nice. And Nubia was pretty much known as the Black Wonder Woman. It's kind of what she was. Yeah. You know. um, and I don't know if you know this or not, Rob. But your friend and mine, Erica Peterman, who wrote a story in your Hey Kids comics, yes. cosplayed Nubia at Dragon Con. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Very cool. Next up is Ares. This is uh, Ares, the god of war uh, from the Wonder Woman series drawn by George Perez. And this is a stunning, detailed piece. He's there in his all-dark sort of cobalt armor. And uh, just do the, the mask that covers his face completely with, like, horns coming out of the, the mask piece and the, the bristly brush on top and just armor every You know, it's really detailed Perez armored sort of work. It is gorgeous. And the background's got a red serpent, and you see a close-up of the face, which, which is fun because normally you see in the background a close-up of the face without the mask. Well, he's still got the helmet on in the back, which is hysterical. And you see Wonder Woman, and you see what looks like Mad Olympus and stuff. And um, the red serpent was a great choice for Ares. I mean, because, you know... Ares is usually sort of associated with Mars. I realize it's Roman gods, but still, red the red planet. So red's a perfect choice for war as well. Uh, a lot of stuff about Greek mythology and the origin. That I, I didn't know this because I didn't read Perez's Wonder Woman, but apparently the tournament they had on Paradise Island or Themyscira to choose the new representative to go to uh, America or the man's world, whatever you want to call it, was because they knew Mars was coming. And, or not Mars, Ares. They knew Ares was coming, and so they had to prepare for it, so they wanted to pick a champion. So that's what caused the whole tournament in Perez's run. I had no idea. So that's how Diana won the tournament. 
And worth noting, he has a son named Deimos, who I wish was the character from Warlord. Okay. Now, you read this era, right? Yeah, I did. So, like, I, I know nothing about this character's personality. Is he, like, a total boss when he shows up? Is it, like, oh, my gosh, dark side level, or is it... Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I, again, I this part of Wonder Woman I was less interested in was more... I, I, I liked Wonder Woman and the man's world as opposed to this stuff, but... Yeah, she, yeah, he was the Darth Vader of the sh- series, sure. Oh, wow. Okay. That's kind of what I always suspected, but and his logo's a little weak. I, You know, I like this. It's George Perez, and how do you not like it? But there's a lot of dead space to me, and that's, like, his figure could be a lot bigger. That's the only part of this I don't like. That's true. Now, it could be, maybe he, well, no, because it could, I don't know. I don't have any excuses for that one. Hmm. All right. Um... If you want to hear more about Ares, you can... Oh, never mind. Frank doesn't have a Wonder Woman podcast. Next up is Cheetah. Yet another classic, classic villain uh, repurposed. Now here, this is the full-on post-crisis Cheetah. Because it says Wonder Woman, second, second series number eight is her first appearance. Drawn by George Perez. Uh, fantastic drawing. I mean, it's a great action pose. Cheetah is probably a pain in the ass to draw every month over goddamn <laughs> spots. Uh, well, you just, but the good part is you don't have to draw a costume. You just draw a naked lady. Well, you still got to draw all those spots, though. I mean, yeah, I they, so. you know, the, the guys that did the 101 Dalmatians movie all ended up in insane asylums. So um, George, George did it to himself, though. The, uh, yeah, I mean, right. George does inflict himself. The background is great. There's a close-up of her. There's so much action scenes. The, the the background is sort of interacting with the main color figure, although not really. Uh, it's it's the logo is nice and sharp. Uh, it's a really really great piece. It's uh, that, uh, it's it, Alan Davis and George Perez right in a row. That's fantastic. It's, a, it's another cold shower moment right there. I mean, just woof. Bar, this is the Barbara Minerva one, as you mentioned. That's why she's got the Wonder Woman number eight appearance because right. the previous cheetahs were previous identities. Right. Um, like I want to be excited by this piece. And the art, artistically, it's gorgeous. But it just, maybe it's just that Perez Wonder Woman era doesn't do a lot for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, it's Cheetah. That's nice. It was a good drawing. Um, an incredible amount of detail work, as you said. It is, it is gorgeously artistically, but it just doesn't wow me for some reason. <laughs> so if you want more on Wonder Woman, which will definitely not cover this era, because Frank hates it, uh, the Dino Prince Wonder Woman blog and now podcast. Hmm. Uh, next up, uh, these are two pages that are separate listings, yet they are pretty pretty connected. Decay by George Perez, and then Demos and Phobos by George Perez. Decay first appeared in Wonder Woman second series number three, and Demos and Phobos first appeared in Wonder Woman second series number two. So, uh, you know, they're full of George Perez-y goodness. Decay is this nasty-looking, harridan-looking zombie creature who's flying around. The detail is amazing in the back. Oh I mean, gosh. just Perez just went apeshit. Uh, actually, on both of these, Demos and Phobos, too. I mean, these are really crazy. George is George is just such a glutton for punishment. Um, yeah, they're both they're both really really nice listings. Well, it's interesting in that as you read the Decay origin, very purposefully, uh, George, because uh, he was the writer as well on those, uh, he mirrored Wonder Woman's origin with Decay, whereas Wonder Woman was formed out of clay. Uh, Phobos from the other page, actually uh, created a small statuette. Well, he, he had this whole plan where, anyway, the, the, the point is he created Decay in a similar sort of way. He, he extracted molten material from a gorgon, uh, from her seething heart, 
and then molded her much the same way that Princess Diana was molded from clay. So there's some parallels there with Decay and Wonder Woman, which makes it an interesting sort of pairing. And again, the art is stunning here. These actually do a little more for me than the Cheetah one does. Um, I don't know exactly why. It's just it's maybe they're less iconic, so I'm just not used to seeing it. I don't know, but they're really cool, intricate designs. And you know, like you said about all the stuff you put in there. I mean, we've seen now for 28 issues previous to this or whatever, George had done a tremendous amount of detail work. Well, this blows away the previous amount of detail work he was doing in other entries. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Decay's bit is pretty much like Medusa. If she touches you, you just start crumbling away. It mentions that she's a superior hand-to-hand combatant, which is kind of a fun detail, but she rarely has to use it because she has such a nasty power. She just touches you, and that's the end of that. And uh, Deimos, you know, interesting about him, he's, he's they don't say he's a Gorgon. Um, or wait, do they say he's a Gorgon? Let me see here. I get, he's a god of terror, and he's got snakes for hair and everything. It, so and, and, and big clawed feet. Yeah, but they they don't say like he has different powers than Medusa, I guess. So yeah, um, I kind of thought that'd be similar. And then um, you know, anytime I see the name Deimos and it's not the guy from Warlord, I get a little sad. Okay. And it, it, oh, one last thing, by the way, um, you know, these entries again, we talked a lot about Perez. He is Perez is not listed as one of the contributing writers for this issue, mm. which I find hard to believe given the amount of Wonder Woman characters in here. So mm. weird. Um, up next is Etta Candy from the Wonder Woman universe, drawn by George Perez, which makes sense because, you know, this would be Perez's era of Wonder Woman. Now, um, the, the, the drawing is of her in her military uniform, you know, saluting. Then you've got the flag in the background and the serpent, her looking over her chair, I guess, with the computer behind her, and then the seal of the Air Force, and then her jogging with, I think, Steve Trevor. And, um... Edda, Edda is a very sweet girl. She was used to be famously known for being, and this is crude. I'm sorry, but I'm just stating it was Wonder Woman's overweight friend. Is what she. Used she to was be the known. yeah the big the big fat comic relief character. Yep. In fact, uh, they met, and this is what I thought was kind of surprising. Wonder Woman met her uh, when she was part of a college sorority. That was how we met her in the Golden Age. At a certain, I think it was, I can't remember the name of the college, but either way. And there's no mention of that whatsoever here. I kind of figured they'd at least give it a sort of like, a, you know, a, a wink and a nod kind of mention, but nothing. But they may have also because they only had half a page to get this out. So, I don't know. What do you think of this? That's nice. I mean, George Perez is doing Wonder Woman characters, which he clearly had a passion for. And when you consider how busy George Perez pretty much has been from, say, 1975 on, uh, the, the fact that he took the time to do this says, like, that says a lot about how much he likes the Wonder Woman characters. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure they would have been happy. For for a half-page listing, I am sure they would have been perfectly happy to get somebody of a lesser light to just bang this out. But the fact that Perez did it uh, is, is, is a testament to his love of the character. I mean, Sensation Comics number two, that's how long this character's been around. Mm-hmm. She's been around one month less than Wonder Woman has. <laughs> uh, that's pretty amazing. And I, I like to think, I hope that uh, when they do the Wonder Woman movie, they get uh, Rebel Wilson from Pitch Perfect to play at a candy, but they probably won't do that. They may have already cast her. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to the Wonder Woman cast. <laughs> I, they had to have by now if they're doing it at a candy. I mean, yeah. I think the movie's mostly shot. So. Well, yeah, I just meant they may have put her in the film. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's talk in here about how she actually, in the post-crisis universe, Etta Candy is actually romantically linked with Steve Trevor right. rather than right. Wonder Woman. So. All right. Up next is Steve Trevor. And no artist credit on this one, again, except that the fact that they wrote their name really clearly at the bottom, so you can tell. It's Ross Andrew and uh, Chris Wozniak. 
And this features Steve Trevor in the foreground as he's tucking his sunglasses in his suit jacket. <laughs> and in the background, you see his plane crashing and Wonder Woman flying up there to save him. And you see him drafting some new sh- new planes and his girlfriend, Etta Candy, standing there with him in the surprise. What do you think of the art? I'm not a big fan of it. I can't. I it's I, I can sort of see some Ross Andrew in the poses, but not really. Um, it really feels like Chris Wozniak like really overtook it because to me, I'm hard pressed to see Ross Andrew in here. So um, I, it's okay. Yeah, it's, I kind of felt the same. It's it's fine. It's it's like a nice standard who's who kind of drawing. Um, I wouldn't have any problem with it if I didn't see Ross Andrew's name attached to it. Once I saw Ross Andrew's name attached to it, it's like, huh? This should yeah. be better than this. Yeah. If, if I hadn't seen his name, I'd have been like, okay, yeah, this belongs in, like, Who's Who Volume 1 kind of thing. Um, the gist is there that Steve Trevor's mo- and this is obviously all changed from post-crisis. Steve Trevor's mother crash-landed on Paradise Island back in 1948, and then she helped the, the Amazons, and she died there, sadly. And then later on, a general wanted to bomb Paradise Island, and Steve was the pilot who was carrying the bomb. <laughs> and uh, he was the unknowing bomber, and Wonder Woman ended up saving his life. And they get involved, they, they battle Ares, and he gets involved with Eddie Candy, and all that stuff. So, Wonder Woman supporting character. So, the, I, I don't know that they really knew what to do with him. Uh, in the post-crisis Wonder Woman era, because he was Wonder Woman's love interest for what fifty years, you know, or so, and suddenly they weren't going to go that route because Wonder Woman didn't need a man, and so I think they just had trouble trying to find a place for him to fit. Next up is Cheetah. I guess this would technically be Cheetah Three, uh, something like that, something yeah. like that, because there was the Golden Age and then Silver Age, and then this is the new one. Um, this is drawn by Kevin McGuire and George Perez with text by Mark Wade. So really bringing the heavy hitters in on this one. And I got to say, um, much like I felt about the Silver Swan listing where I was like, you know, I like Jill Johnson. I like George Perez. I don't like them together. This listing is a little underwhelming for me considering it's those two gargantuan powerhouses together. And um, it's a naked woman. So, I mean, there's just something about the pose that seems very stiff to me. It doesn't have a lot of movement. If you go and you look at the listing for this same character, the exact same character in, mm-hmm. I believe, update 90, which was drawn by Perez, where she's flailing about and she's got her arm, her claws out, and she's like screaming or roaring, I guess. She's a cheetah. That has a lot of movement. And this one looks almost like. Um, a, a plastic model that you'd pose hmm. and put together. So this, I mean, it's not terrible. It's just kind of just a little stiff. So I just, I think it, maybe it's another one of those things where uh, it's two great tastes that don't necessarily take, taste great together. McGuire, great artist. George Perez, great artist. Together, maybe not so much. I don't know. You're kind of destroying this for me um, because, again, super hot naked chick was like really in my wheelhouse uh, but now I'm seeing like her right leg is too long um, the foot looks kind of off where is the left leg leg actually posing because the left leg she looks like she's trying to getting ready to pose to spring is what she like a cat with spring but the left leg doesn't look quite oh, Rob you're making me so mad anyway I'll focus on the cool hair and um, the nakedness and which is great and uh, I'll, I'll choose you know by the way I, I gotta warn you good folks you're gonna hear she's hot a few times this episode simply because they really stack the deck here guys I mean come on Wonder Woman's in this issue Cheetah's in this issue Troya's in this issue Phantom Lady's in this issue it's not my fault it's really not my fault, so please bear with me. I will uh, we'll make one more comment about this entry uh, based on what you said was about her being Cheetah 3. There's not even a reference to the other no, incarnations. No. Like on her first appearance, I feel like there should be like another category, like not historical because this is Barbara Minerva, but there should be another category of like, 
I don't know, previous incarnation, maybe, or or, or other version, or something like that. Yes, you know, it and, seems very strange to me that they you wouldn't know that there's no that there have been two previous versions of this character to this right. Movie. And I, by the way, and I, I said that the the pose was stiff, but the insets are not. The insets are great. The, the, there's the one of her putting her war paint on, and then there's another one of her flipping Wonder Woman around with her tail, and then there's a third one of her grabbing the magic lasso. Those all look terrific. And uh, I have to say, I'm really curious to what version of Cheetah we're going to get for the Wonder Woman movie, as we know that's going to be played by Kristen Wiig of all people. So right. I'm really sort of bad. It's not going to be this version, I'm sure. So I guess it's going to be their own take on it, maybe? I don't know. This actually brings up a little bit of acid in my mouth, but I have to thank you for, I guess, introducing me to Kristen Wiig? I don't know. I guess I'd seen her in a couple movies but didn't really pay attention to her until one of your early film and water episodes uh, on the Skeleton, Skeleton Twins. Twins. Yeah. So I went out and watched Skeleton Twins uh, on your recommendation, which I, why I listened to you, I have no idea. Anyway, uh, fell in love with her there, then saw her in Bridesmaids, and I just I had a whole like series within a week or two where I saw her in like three different movies, and not all of them was intentional. Uh, Skeleton Twins was the first one; was, the rest of them just kind of happened. And um, I think she's fantastic. So, but yeah, I can't. Even though I think she's she's a great actress, she's hysterical. She, I also think she's beautiful and sexy. I can't see her playing this version. No, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna I, have to be a different version. Sure. Yeah. It, unless they CGI her and they just do the motion capture or something, which I hope they don't do because no, that's the yeah. last thing she needs to do is yeah. more motion capture. Yeah. So. Have her there on um, the set, please. Right, exactly. So I love the prehensile tail. You mentioned it in the inset. I love that. I, I, it's really cool to see the action. I mean, she is yoking Wonder Woman just, you know. <laughs> um, the only thing I got about this, and this is against Mark Wade, really, is the, the text is, is fine. It, it, it describes really the physical issues going on with her, with her body, her health. They talk about her crazy acts. Uh, but it really it, – it lacks any description of her mental state really. I mean she has got – reading this stuff, she has got to be cray-cray. But they don't tell us that, um, only what she's done rather than her mental state. And, I, and I'm going to mention later on in this episode where they do, they do this well. It, they didn't do it well here, and that, I feel like that's a bit of a knock against it. I do love uh, Martin Mark Wade having to dance around the part where it says, because the ritual required its subject to be a virgin, dash, a requirement Minerva could not meet, dash, the cheetah <laughs> took its toll on her. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, George kind of boxed him in with that one, I think. But yeah, anyway, think so. so Wonder Woman was on issue 48 at this point on the shelves the same month, and it was just, you know, uh, right before their anniversary 50th issue. And cheetah actually hadn't appeared in the book in over a year at this point, so... The last and biggest entry of the book, of course, is Wonder Woman. It's kind of appropriate. She's in the same book as Troya, or she's the other way around. Troya's in the same book as Wonder Woman. Drawn by George Perez, of course. Historical first appearance, All-Star Comics number eight. Current appearance, uh, first appearance is Wonder Woman number one. We see her flashing her uh, her bracelets. We see her with her helmet on. We see her on Paradise Island with the shield, the cape, and the whole the whole Megillah. It's a very nice piece. It's, it's not so much an action pose as she's, uh, well, okay, it's an action pose in that she's doing something, but she's not like flailing at action. It's more like a uh, like a postery pose. Like she's just standing iconic. there. Yeah, iconic kind of thing where she's crossing the, the bracelets. And I really, I you know, it's so funny. Every time I really love this iteration of Wonder Woman. I thought George Perez did a great job of the same thing that George, John Byrne did with Superman, of freshening the core concept up and making it sort of popular again. And then, like, I'll hear Frank talk about it, how come, you know, he's mm-hmm. not a big fan of this. And, like, I'll listen to him, and he'll make sense to me. I'll go, yeah, you know. And then, like, an hour later, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You know, and then <laughs> I go back to liking it again. So 
My only problem with this is just I don't like the idea that Wonder Woman came along later. That she's hmm. way later in the DC universe. I know they kind of had to do it that way to refurbish her, but it just bothers me that she was like not a founding member of the Justice League, and she's kind of a new character. I know that she was introduced into Legends. That's the only part of it I don't like. But again, I know they kind of had to do it to to bring the character back to uh, you know prominence. And George Perez did. You know, he absolutely did. So, and on the inside, we see her with the uh, the Catalyst. I think you say the Catalyst family. Um, I don't know how to say it. It's, yeah. Yeah, we see her fighting Ares, and then we see her deflecting the bullet. So, you know, it's it's everything you, what you would want in the George Perez Wonder Woman listing. This, honestly, this should be a poster. It, it's that good. It's that well rendered. It's a perfect sort of iconic sort of image for Wonder Woman. It looks poster material. Uh, I love it. Now, one of the things I find interesting is the design aesthetic where there's this blue kind of she's not wearing a cape but it's a blue cape design sort of blowing across the whole image and it cuts sort of uh diagonally from right to left and in the bottom half where the cape is is all beautiful it's paradise island where the top half is it's space um like or it's the sky and her in the helmet in fact you can look at the column on the far left side there's a piece i don't quite get where the column just disappears but it's it looks like it's in both settings. Do you see the piece I'm talking about? Yeah, well, it's, it's again, it's abstracted that it's disappearing in and out of the flowing of the cape there. Yeah, but but then if you look above it, it is in the night sky. Right, so, right. Th- th- anyway, uh, it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. Um, yeah, and of, of course, you know, let's see, uh, you get the creative eye credit by uh, William uh, Moulton Marston and uh, the, the text. I thought it was surprising that Mark Wade wrote the text, considering George Press was writing the comic. I thought that was a little surprising, but whatever. Uh, Wonder Woman was on issue 48 at this point. You're about 10 months away from War of the Gods, which is kind of where George Press had enough. So they're, they're, getting, they're, they're starting to head towards that. But, uh, of course, we already mentioned you can listen to Frank's Diana Prince podcast, uh, which is not about the Sarah of Wonder Woman. Or you can listen to Wonder Woman uh, Warrior for Peace, which are all good options. Or just go see the movie because it's awesome. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrific. And it's, of course, a great way to end the book because it's Wonder Woman. Tim Trench? Seriously? That's it? I don't even remember this entry that we did that. Oh, my gosh. You know, the way things are going, he's going to be in, like, the next Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> he's already got his own series over on HBO Max, for all we know. So, I don't know. No, I, I thought it would be fun to pull some of the more obscure characters from the Wonder Woman history in there. And, and I will admit, it was really fun going through all the old issues of Who's Who and finding some that I had forgotten about, like Kung. You know, and I was like, yeah. oh, wow, I forgot about that and stuff like that. So that was, that was, that was, I, I didn't want it to be just Wonder Woman and Cheetah listings. Yeah, you right. know, I wanted to be some of the more obscure characters. And, you know, Wonder Woman's Rogues Gallery. Yeah, you know. I, I was going to say, I'm glad you what you said there because I, I imagine Duke of Deception and Kung and um, Dr. Psycho and Silver Swan and Tim Trench are all sitting around going, seriously? Maxwell Lord got the movie? What? Yeah. I, I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's already an Aquaman villain called the Trench. They've already got that to go. So, you know, Tim Trench could be like, hey, I could be in this thing. Yeah. You know, Wonder Woman, obviously, uh, Wonder Woman, once Perez took over, really sort of reestablished the character as a uh, a top tier piece of IP. I hate to be so cynical about it, but Wonder Woman really regained her sort of pop culture footing with George Perez in the comics and never looked back at this at that point. And she's been big ever since she has a much greater uh, rogues gallery and stuff like that. But yeah, some of the villains getting a little, getting a little dicey. Uh, but yeah. that's, that said, I mean, it says something about how many listings. I mean, I actually, the original list I had was, was even greater. 
and I didn't want this show to be too long, so I actually trimmed it down a little. You know, well, I, I, I told I told Rob at his age he shouldn't exert himself that much. That's true. Uh, my lumbago's acting up, but like when I did the <laughs> when I did the Aquaman compilation show, like you know there weren't that many listings because surprise, like, you know, it was like you know three, <laughs> like three villains. You know that's it. Wonder Woman had a lot more. So yeah, I mean I'm at at the time that we are uh, recording this, the Wonder Woman movie has not come out yet. I will, like I said, I'll be watching. I'm really excited to see it. And I've been hearing great things. And, oh, the, so. the reviews, early reviews are astonishing. Everyone yeah. seems to love this movie. So I, actually now, yeah, now that we mentioned it, we're recording it so early that you folks at home have probably already seen the movie. How was it? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the plan is, we hope, is that uh, we will have a review of the film featuring some members of the Fire and Water All-Star team at some point uh, pretty soon because we want to get enough of us together that have seen it. But I'm hoping to do some review of it because it's a big movie. It's, a, it's you know, we've all been kind of, uh, you know, COVID-wise living without these big blockbusters. And now they're going to start trickling in in different places, some streaming services, some in theaters. But uh, Wonder Woman is kind of the, the real big one that, uh, that, you know, they're finally like, all right, this is a $200 million movie. And you're going to get to watch it. In theaters, yes, maybe if you're if you're a daredevil, or you can watch it in the safety of your home. So we, again, Wonder Woman is so huge. For decades, no one ever thought there'd ever be a movie. There's all these failed TV pilots and stuff like that, and now there's you know, two Wonder Woman movies for Pete's sake. So it's a huge thing, and we just thought it would be fun to maybe wrap up 2020 with a look back over the last nine years of Who's Who that Chag and I've been doing. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. These were super fun to listen to. I, uh, for, clearly I've forgotten a lot and, and I'm glad for the, uh, the memory jog. And I just look forward to, uh, when the, uh, the, the, yeah, it doesn't work very well when I don't have the joke ready. Uh, the inferior five movie comes out. We can cover all of their entries. You know, it's funny. You say that, but is that, is that any more ridiculous than there being a doom patrol TV show? That's true. I mean, is, the, is it really any more absurd? Ooh, that's a good. That, that, that could get me another week off. We could, could do a Doom Doom Patrol clip show, Rob. <laughs> well, that's just pretty much all that one issue of the loose leaf book. <laughs> that's just true. That all together. So. It's just, uh, just us whining about Simon Bisley. All right. <laughs> well, this again. This has been absolutely fun. Uh, the next episode on the Who's Who feed, folks, will be a Who's That. Uh, so no no spoilers yet on who that's going to be about. But Rob and I have some plans. It's going to be fun. And then after that, it's Who's Who number sixteen, the last issue in the first run of the loose leaf. Crazy. Oh, crazy crazy more to come wow. after that though guys lots more to come after that yeah <laughs> impact Woo-hoo. no there there is more who's who updates yes uh there is the yes there's the impact there's the mayfair we've got some other who's that's we've got some other special surprises uh it's gonna be good it's gonna be it, really good it, it will never end the who's who yeah. show will never end. that is my plan <laughs> all right well i think that's gonna do it folks go out again to our website firewaterpodcast.com go to the who's who entry and leave your comments about these entries about the one room movie about you know no spoilers though come on be fair to other everyone else but or just about any piece of the podcast we would love to hear from you and uh, of course you can find rob on every single uh twitter handle out there except for the nazis and you can find us on uh facebook as firewaterpodcast.com i mean um the firewater podcast network anything else you want to add rob uh, just wishing everybody a happy new year. Uh, we've all been desperately waiting for 2020 to be over. <laughs> so yes, uh, yes. we're, we're just on the precipice of it. So we said, we wish everybody a happy holiday season and a wonderful, happy new year. And we will see you all in 2021. Absolutely. Rob, it'll be nice to see the dumpster fire of 2020 in the rearview mirror and looking forward to a much better 2021. Well, that's going to do it everybody until next time. Who's, who's next? next?
tights, fighting for your rights, and the old red, white, and blue.